0: So I have the pleasure of introducing you to Samada
1: and in their arena of sustainability within fashion, entertainment, and design. Samada has led design, education, and commercial initiatives for people in the planet. She has orchestrated sustainable fashion projects for the Oscars, collaborating with fashion brand houses such as Louis Vuitton, wow. Armani, Vivian Westwood, while partnering with emerging designers and talents like Billie Eilish, Maggie Barard, uh, Tatiana Gabrielle, and most recently, Samada wrote and delivered the sustainable style guide for the 95th Annual Academy Awards known as the Oscars. And so uh, Samana's influence reaches into academia, where she works with Cambridge University Institute of Sustainable Leadership, alongside having spoken at Yale School of Environmental, or excuse me, Environment COP26, COP27, South by Southwest, and she's been invited to the number 10 Downing Street to address two British Prime Ministers in the subject of sustainability, business, and imperialism. And if that's not enough, she's also a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts and Sits on the Sustainability Council for Rockies, if you know that brand, that sustainable uh, shoe brand, mm-hmm. with the focus on relationship Between Biodiversity, Climate, and Apparel Production, a producer-published author of The Tribe, and that stands for Empowerment, or excuse me, the Empowerment Journal, the fashion designer resource book, Bloomsburg Publishing, and Samara has delivered her first TED Talk most recently in June.
2: Thank you. Um,
1: Very accomplished. (laughs) here, And be able to sit here alongside with her. So, like I said, it's going to be a very, you know, casual chat, um, and so I'll just pose, a, you know, a couple of questions, you know, throughout your career. I'm sure you, you know, encompassed so much, and so just to be able to share that body of wealth with us, yeah. And so to open it up, can you please start by sharing a bit about how fashion industry has contributed to both the environment and human health harm, particularly to reproductive health? If you have
3: that, spin. Sure. Okay. Um, So I'll start by saying that I work in the fashion industry and I'm not unaware of the fact that when I say to people that I work in the fashion industry, there's this almost immediate disconnect between them and me. And when I say that, I mean, I think most people think they have a perception of the fashion industry. The word fashion means something to them. It means trends. It means fashion shows. It might mean extravagance it might mean even being on trend. And I don't think a lot of people have, even if you love clothes, I don't necessarily think a lot of people have the most positive association with the word fashion because as an industry, it's designed to make people feel like they can't quite ever fit in. That's how the fashion industry thrives. It thrives by putting out trends, putting out kind of shoots, putting out campaigns that will always make you feel like there's something else you need to have to participate. So I recognize that sometimes there's a barrier presented when I say I work in fashion. But when I try and change that dynamic and I say, I work in the clothes industry and every single person in this room is wearing clothes. In fact, I hope every single person <laughs> is wearing clothes. Um, then suddenly there's this thing we all have in common. We all get up in the morning, we all get dressed. We put clothes on our body. And that thing that we put on our body comes from somewhere. It either comes from a farm, a field or a forest. So it could be cotton that's growing in fields. It could be viscose or rayon that grows through trees. It could be leather that grows in farms on animals, or it's made in a lab, but it still comes from the planet through fossil fuels. Polyester, nylon, those are synthetics derived from fossil fuels. So a big part of what I try and do before I kind of explain the impact is just let everybody know that we're all in the same conversation together. However, the clothes I choose to express myself might differ to the clothes you choose to express yourself, but ultimately, this is a conversation we all take part in. And it affects us, it affects our families, it affects our kids, it affects our friends. So the fashion industry is huge. It's a global touch point. And I think a lot of people aren't aware that it has massive environmental and social impact, but I'll focus on the environmental side because it's more fitting for this. But just just to kind of give an idea of the social impact, it's everything from human rights and social justice issues, exploitation of garment workers, 80% of our clothes are made by black and brown women around the world. Um, down to child labour issues, it's unsafe factory conditions, it's a lack of gender equality, across to just farmers not being paid fairly for their raw materials. There's all this social impact stuff. But then the fashion industry has a massive environmental footprint as well. And that's because we have this massive value cycle. You know, fashion starts, like I said, in farms and fields and forests with raw material extraction. And when you're looking at something as simple as a cotton t-shirt, that is literally a farmer growing cotton, harvesting that cotton. But when you look at what's required to do that, if it's not being done through like a clean regenerative process, it is a ton of fertilizers and pesticides. It is so chemically intensive. I mean, cotton is common, that's why I use it as an example, but like literally 16% of our global use of insecticides and pesticides is to um, to grow cotton. So we have this massive impact on our soil, our biodiversity, and and anybody knows if you spray something with pesticides, all life forms die in that thing, everything dies. So we have this kind of impact through like even just processing our materials and then treating them. So like when you're going from a fiber to a textile, there's a huge impact in creating what we consider materials. And that's kind of treating it, dyeing it, coloring it. In fact, we have 8,000 to 10,000 chemicals just used To kind of create our garments so this is a lot of chemical use so there's this immense impact it has on our planet um i've been fortunate enough to work with organizations like greenpeace for example on this massive project called detox fashion and there's this really unfortunate saying in parts of the global south because obviously this isn't being kind of dumped in knightsbridge in the united kingdom it's not it's not like running into gutters of Beverly Hills, it's Cambodia, it's Indonesia, it's Ghana, it's Rwanda, it's Ethiopia, it's often communities that are affected by, or that are inhabited by people of colour and there's a saying in Guangzhou in China that you can always tell the colour of the fashion industry by the colour of our waters because they go out to their rivers and and they try and fetch water and swim and those rivers are bubbling purple, green, red etc. So there's this big impact on our planet but the impact that fashion has on people is just not talked about enough. And it is absolutely huge. Um, as I said, we all put clothes on every day, but the skin, our skin is our biggest organ. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't again think people necessarily consider the skin an organ because it's external. You know, I think of my organs, I think of my heart, my liver, my lungs, but the skin is our biggest organ. And so anything we put on our skin directly influences our health. And when you look at what we're putting on our skin through fashion, the impact is massive through chemicals and through materials. So I want to dive into that, but I also want to kind of Allow you to yeah. question me, so I'm not just speaking mm-hmm. at you. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> it's great, I'm,
1: I love that. So yeah, yeah, I'm in good company with you. But yeah, we often time within our work talk about the cumulative effects, mm-hmm. of, you know, an environment. And yeah. so yes, you if you think about yes, how it's it sourced, the dyes the mm-hmm. manufacturing of it, all of that that we use on a day to day basis. If there you know has an effect on us. Absolutely. So can go off a little bit road from off the script here. Mm-hmm. Throw you from my right here. here. Okay. So you talk about trends. Fashion yeah. and how it's always changing. Yeah. And I know from your background and where you, you know, what you do, you work with a lot of, you know, heavy hitters in in the fashion industry like the Oscars. Will they wear the dress maybe once, you know, for, you know, that one night or for that one occasion? What happens to it after
2: that? Mm-hmm. Or is
1: there a way to make it, you know, sustainable where it, yeah, what is, you know, 100%. What are,
3: what are your thoughts about I think that? it's such a good question. So the reason, so I have delivered um, sustainable gowns and tuxedoes on the red carpet the Oscars for 13 years and that has been working with emerging designers established designers it's been working with talent like Tati Gabrielle, Lakeith Sandfield. and what has been a really big passion for me is using that platform because the reality is fashion is a way to do something that's exciting when you're talking about the Oscars there's this anticipation what are people wearing yeah. what's this person going to wear And you can be a bit kind of more edgy with a red carpet design because it's supposed to be a statement. Mm -hmm. So the whole premise of that kind of initiative is how do we take that moment in dialogue and make that an educational moment so that when people are being asked, oh, what are you wearing? it becomes way more than just kind of name checking a brand. Mm-hmm. It becomes a conversation about, I'm wearing a gown that was made with an organic certified fabric. It was dyed with natural dyes, goldenrod and chamomile. It was made by women in XYZ country. Um, mm-hmm. It used recycled lining. We'd taken vintage beads and repurposed them for the bodice. And through all of those different examples, start conversations that are a bit more meaningful.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, one of the things I think that has always kind of slightly bothered me about the fashion industry, and the perception of it, is because we have some shows that make us all look crazy, um, people think that there is not this deep intellectualism and there's not this form of academia in the fashion industry but if you know what it takes to make a clothing, you're literally taking a flat piece of fabric. You're using mathematical equations mm-hmm. yeah. to be yeah. able to decide how a flat piece of fabric can form 3D, create shapes, geometry, um, move with the body. There's so much analysis and deep thinking that goes into that, that we need to intellectualize it a bit. So the Oscars red carpet, the one is an educational space. If you have Billie Eilish talking about vintage, recycling, repurpose, you have an opportunity to kind of reach her demographic of people and get them excited about that. So there's one way, that's one way that it matters. But this idea of wearing something once is also something we've always tried to address. We've pushed for re-wearing, pushed designers and brands to go into their archives and not just make something new for the red carpet, but go back to something they've made before and put that out and maybe repurpose it. Or repurpose it. We're buying 80 billion new items of clothing every single day, like 80 billion. You know, some fashion brands are creating 5,000 new styles on their website every day. We're kind of consuming 60% more than we did 10 years ago, but we're using it for half the time. So there's a conversation about slowing down consumption. Mm-hmm. But then after the red carpet, um, for the guide that I wrote for the Oscars, I did this whole piece on what to do with it afterwards. Yeah, And there was everything from renting it, cause that's part of a circular economy. This idea of once you've worn it, I, I, rent, I put my stuff on rental apps, someone else can wear it, they can mm-hmm. rent it out and it becomes a source of income but it also becomes a circular economy. Love it's it. like celebrating Love stuff that's been worn before. Mm-hmm. I talked about donating it to museums and theatres, which is a big thing because when you have community um, projects and productions, they're always looking for things. And so like suits, red carpet pieces, that's amazing. I talked about re-dyeing stuff
2: Mm -hmm.
3: and customizing it, turning a long gown into a short gown, encouraging creativity. So I think even though the red carpet might feel like this space that's kind of them and us, it's like elite and us, but it isn't supposed to be. Yeah. It's supposed to be a conversation. Yeah. And that's what I've been trying to do with these different examples. I've been trying to say, what can someone sitting at home and being like, I like that, I like that. What can someone learn in that moment that they yeah. can then go through in their house? Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. So many things. So many yeah. things, Richard. But yeah, I'm mean, even I love what you talked about, uh, opportunity for education, but yeah. also for those that are going into the industry, like STEM, like Young girls, you know, like you know how to you know create this mathematics and yeah. you know, engineering.
3: Those you know, types there's of biology.
1: Yeah, there's biology. That, so.
3: There's biology, chemistry. I remember one of my most stressful dresses for the Oscars mm-hmm. was we had this amazing actress called Naomi Harris who was in Skyfall and Moonlight, and she's she had this amazing gown, and the focus was on natural dyes because the fashion industry through textile dyeing. I really want to talk about how it affects us because it's really bad through textile design and dyeing, creates 20% of global water pollution. So it's a, it's got a big footprint and a lot of that is synthetic um, dyes, azo dyes. When you think, why can I buy a dress for $3? How can I buy a dress that's been, the fabrics come from one part of the world, that fabric's been shipped somewhere else, it's been cut somewhere, it's been made somewhere, it's been trimmed. Sometimes it's sent to another country to be finished so they can have a label that says made in Italy, even though it was Mm. made in China. Mm. When you consider all of those steps, how is it that we expect to be able to pay $10 for that? And one of the reasons is because the cost is absorbed by garment workers and everyone else in the supply value cycle. But the other reason is the inputs are so cheap. So azo dyes are synthetic dyes that are super, super cheap. And they have been linked to everything from endocrine disruption, Mm. skin irritation, they can manipulate your hormone levels. They've been linked to ADHD. And these are the things that are in kids' pajamas. They're in Halloween yeah. costumes. Um, and you can always tell because, you know, you'll pick them up and you'll smell them. Mm-hmm. One of the things I always say to people, like when they say, how can I look for? I'm like, smell your clothing.
4: Yeah. Smell your clothing, it has a distinct, clo- smell. Has yeah. a
3: distinct smell. smell. I always bought my <laughs> clothing when I bought it new, especially if it is a synthetic,
2: because I can smell it. And
3: especially if it's the kids, I always give it one cold wash because then the chemicals kind of go out. Um, so those azodide, that's part of the reason. So this this idea of what we're paying for needs to be analysed. This idea of you get what you pay for. Well, lots of people don't know what they're getting. Yeah. You know, they think they're getting a piece of fashion, but they're maybe getting something that has been coated in um, a forever chemical, um, a, a PFA, I always get the the letter order wrong so that it can be wrinkle-free, so that it can be um, water-resistant. You know, like we go and we do our exercises and we're in polyester, which is a fossil fuel, and Mm. it's been dyed in a synthetic chemical, black. um, And then we're sweating and our pores are opening. And as we're working out, those chemicals are seeping into our bodies Yeah. and they have all of this impact. So there's an opportunity here to not just celebrate the people who make our clothes, but to have a higher expectation of what passes for to say fashion as well. Yeah.
1: Which yeah. leads me, this is another one. Three you for a little okay, okay. You can, <laughs> can do that. You can do that. You're going with it. I can Ethics. do that. And and it. And so that, you know, looking at, you know, the unethical practices yeah. of that, you know, whether, you know, how it's made, you know, the mm-hmm. factories, the labor yeah. that goes into it one of the um, recent stories that I heard um, is about like H&M, where they say like, oh. they're the organic brand, but it's only the label that yeah. was like organic or yeah. So, oh,
2: yeah. 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 <laughs> really? yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. What
3: are your thoughts about, you know, the ethics of
1: you know, yeah. different brands and how they're sourced? Many. And, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, but
3: just, I really want to quickly say, I don't want us to forget, I want to make sure we talk about curriculum. Yeah. And what's happening with black designers as well in design colleges. Yeah. Um, but, so the ethics thing, H&M is getting sued right now. And it's, mm-hmm. what you said is completely right. Um, what we lack right now is like specificity. So mm-hmm. what I one of the things that probably makes me the most fired up is when people take advantage of a shortfall in mm-hmm. knowledge to exploit a citizen's mm-hmm. lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So right now, there's a massive push that citizen-led people want to know what am i buying where is this coming from what does this mean in the uk we have a new legislation coming in that's purely driven by citizens asking questions what does organic mean what does this certification mean i mean there's 300 to 400 certifications out there it's overwhelming and even though you have platforms like good on you which give you as a citizen an idea when it comes to fashion about brands that are being transparent about certain things or not it's still overwhelming and so what brands will do, H&M being one of them, they use the buzzwords that we feel comfortable with. So if organic. I go to organic, if yeah. I go to the farmer's market and I see a specific label, I'll still ask, like, what does this mean? Because we're used to doing that for our food. That's the thing I, I, we're used to doing it for our food. We know how to look for good food. You know how to look for a good apple, right? You know how to look for a good banana, but you don't know what to look for when you're looking for a good top, a good pair of jeans, because we're not educating citizens on how to shop. Mm-hmm. Like we're not telling them look inside the lining, check that it's overlocked, check that if it's something that's going to be stretching on the elbows and knees, that it's reinforced. Mm-hmm. Make sure that if the label says it's a blend, you recognize that can't be recycled. Like they can't separate textiles. Only 1% of textiles in the world is able to be recycled. Right. If it says wash it at 70 degrees, 90% of the energy of your washing machine is heating up the water. Do you want to have that impact on climate? We're not giving citizens the tools to analyze labels. So how will they know if something says it's organic, what that means? So for me, that became something that really bothered me when I had my son, because suddenly I'm looking for kids' clothes and I already know about the fact that, you know, the dyes being used um, in the clothing, either the, you know, when you've got printing, they've used phthalates. So if you have a t-shirt that's Mm -hmm. got printing, they've used phthalates to soften the ink so it can sit in those jeans. But phthalates are linked to ADHD. They're linked to eczema. Um, if it's got, you know, like we talked about anti-flammable, anti-flammable came an issue because kids' pajamas were catching fire. Mm. And so suddenly there's a legislation saying we need to make sure that kids' clothing is anti-flammable. So suddenly they're getting loaded with chemicals so that they won't catch fire. But what does that mean for the kids? Pifas. Yeah, Pifas, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, Peefers yeah. is always trying to duck yeah. out of me. Pifers. So suddenly we've got that being absorbed on a sleeping babe. And one of the researchers we did with Greenpeace showed that after wearing a single pair of pajamas just once, chemicals were showing up in a child's urine for 12 days. Wow. Just one wear of these pajamas. So suddenly there's all of these questions we we deserve the answers to as citizens and that we should be you know, we should be able to get access to. So one of the things with organic is it could say it's an organic uh, romper or play suit? You call them play
2: suits?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, pajamas, or... pajamas. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> um, but what they're saying is, what you as a citizen need to ask is, what part of this is organic? Is the fabric organic, or is the dye organic? Because you can think you're buying an organic piece, but it's just the fabric that that's the certified organic piece. It's certified organic cotton, but it's gone through those stages. Because remember, you you make the fabric, you dye it, you treat it you give it that tie dye effect, you put like, Mm -hmm. you know, mum's the best printing on it, then suddenly all those processes, six to 10,000 chemicals. So suddenly what's organic? So I think when you talk about ethics, there are certain certifications you can look for, which we can talk about, but there's a big issue within the fashion industry, that's kind of misleading citizens about, it's not regulated. like everyone's marking their own homework and everyone's getting A stars. Mm -hmm. And that's just not how it works. So there is is a shortfall Mm -hmm. in accountability and legislation's coming in. But what I would say as like a transatlantic person who's moved to LA from England, is that Europe is a lot stricter. Mm -hmm. We have um, different legislations. We have recalls of products often. We've got uh, restricted substances lists. Like there are things that we have in place that aren't in place in the US. Sometimes on a federal level they are, but on a state level, pretty much lead and chromium is like the main stuff. But these phthalates, these grabber chemicals, these um biocides. Stuff that you bandwidth. So yes. Yeah. And and they check it and they and they do recalls. Um, so I think there's work to be done here, which is why I'm happy I'm here. <laughs> yeah, but we're happy you're here. Yeah. Uh, so we want to make sure that, okay, I'm get back
1: on the, oh, yeah, okay, the schedule, sorry. but
3: you mentioned something, getting into the education or the biology, not to be remiss for that. Yeah, I just wanted to quickly say, so one of the things I feel passionately about is obviously education and curriculum. Um, and I think that a lot of this information is withheld at the design college level. So um, it, it's always weird to me that you'll go into a hospital or you'll speak to a doctor and it feels like here, doc, they don't talk about food and diet. And it's like, Thank but there's you. a link um they'll say go speak to someone else about your food but we know there's a link between what we eat and how our health Mm -hmm. is regenerated and how we feel um and in the same way that those conversations should be happening with our doctors I feel that in design colleges there should be conversations educating designers about what they're putting into the clothes that they're making there should be curriculum about who that's impacting because like I said it's global south it's black and brown bodies so there should be an awareness of that but more often than not there isn't, I mean, there isn't even representation in the curriculum. So mm-hmm. so that doesn't happen. And I think that there's an opportunity missed yeah. there because designers make our clothes. Yeah. So they should be aware. Huge gap. Yeah. Huge yeah. gap and you've touched on a lot of this. Okay, <laughs> so I know I speak really quickly, but I just have so much I love about this subject. So I guess
1: that uh, leads us very nicely, and we'll have time for Q&A, so if you have any questions, but so what are some of the changes that need to be made by the industry or mm-hmm. government? You're talking about the difference yeah. between uh, over the pond, right? Okay, yeah. versus here. Yeah, over um, the pond. Yeah, and <laughs> consumer, and as, as consumers, what are some of those changes that you you would say that
3: between yeah uh, in the apparel industry? Definitely. government and consumer definitely so there's five groups that really matter in this conversation five um and what the fashion industry is doing right now um which i think is wrong in some ways it's it's making citizens feel it's something they have to choose differently um which is always what happens it's kind of like this is for you to make a decision that's different and yes it is for us to make different decisions you know i always say like you know i always try and say Recycled poly, poly, natural fiber over synthetics, certified over non-certified. Like There are things I try and do, but there are five groups. There's manufacturers who make our clothing, mm-hmm. um, which is not the same as designers. Designers might lean on the manufacturer and say, I want you to make this for me. Uh, but the manufacturers who make our clothing have a responsibility to an extent with how they're making that clothing and the materials and textiles they're using. Because I remember working with a designer and, and she said, my manufacturer doesn't present me with sustainable textiles, I'm asking for help and they're not presenting it to me. So there's a relationship there that is kind of codependent. So the manufacturers and the factories, there is a responsibility there. The designers have a responsibility to be accountable for what you're making. I think it's crazy that you can literally make something that is dyed and doused in chemicals that are carcinogenic, endocrine disruptors, forever chemicals, can be linked to ADHD, can cause infertility, and there is no accountability there. I think that's, that's wild. wild. <laughs> so I think there is a responsibility that designers need to have and they need to step up. It's not hard to get this information.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, a horror story I remember is they banned a specific shade of blue um, for these kids Halloween quest- um, costumes because to get that blue, they use the same dye and textiles um, to get that same shade of blue. But the origins of that dye were from Agent Orange. So can you remember during the war? They had So Agent Orange was just one, there were rainbows. Orange was just one. And so this specific dye was a derivative of that. So just that lack of accountability with designers is a big thing. Citizens, I think we have to ask different questions. I know that this industry positions itself as like this kind of airy fairy, like in today gone tomorrow thing. But now, you know differently, yeah. you know, now, you know, yes, better. You, you know better, mm-hmm. you can do better. Like your lingerie, mm-hmm. those things are very intimate. You know, we're wondering why we have young kids getting their periods at six or seven. Mm-hmm. There is a link. So there's questions we can ask that are different as citizens. And then legislators, that's the fourth group. Where's policy on this, you know? Where's policy on this? At this point, there should be policy in place. It shouldn't be so relaxed. And I think what I read about California is one of the loopholes with California is is it really, a lot of the legislation only applies to things made in
2: California.
3: But if we're being honest, about 80% of our clothing is not made here. It's made in India, it's made in Indonesia. They're moving it to Rwanda. So it's easier to escape those loopholes because it's not being made there, you know, so that's why some yeah. of the legislation online shopping where you can order it exactly whenever. you can yeah. order it online and you can get it in a heartbeat so legislators, where are you yeah. Um take it more seriously, because um, I've had conversations with legislators and they're like oh my wife handles the shopping I'm <laughs> like, are you actually being serious right now. <laughs> How insulting. Yeah, um, and then finally, investors, because I think with any problem, money's required to fix it. And so, again, with the industry, there's all of these great solutions. Like I know I've given you the worst bits, but there's all these amazing solutions. But a lot of the brands and people who are working in those spaces with those dyes, those clean dyes, with those fabrics and a safe. They aren't being given investment to scale their solutions. So that's why the money side of it is so important as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we talk
3: about the green chemistry as
2: well. Yeah. yeah being
1: okay. innovative. And so how yeah. can you make things that, you know, are safe,
2: you know, but also, yeah. you know, be
1: at cutting edge or either, you know, something that's fashionable.
3: Exactly. Do it exactly. Do it ethically. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to not be beautiful. Yeah. You know, there is this perception of sustainable fashion. And mm-hmm. I used to try and get talent to agree to do the Oscars in the first few years. I had to basically like almost have like a kind of come to Jesus moment with them. I was like, you're not going to be wearing grass. <laughs> like, I, I promise <laughs> you have you You're not going <laughs> to be a potato stack. It's not going to be a grass headband. You have my words. Trust me. Let me like, help me help you kind of moment. Yeah. And, and then they started to see like, wow, our dresses were making best dress lists. they like, okay, we can do this sustainable fashion thing and we can still deliver on the aesthetics and the style. Yeah. And we also don't have to feel bad about all of these other things. And it doesn't cost the world. Yeah. That's a big myth. It doesn't yeah. cost more. Yeah. So yeah. then all of a sudden, people start saying, okay, let's I have love that conversation. Yeah. Setting the standard. <laughs> setting yeah. the standard, exactly.
1: Um, and also, you talked about this too, but what would a sustainable fashion brand look like? So if you had mm-hmm. to re-envision, you know,
3: what would that look like here in the world today? Yeah. So if I were to envision a sustainable fashion brand, I would look at a brand that honours and pays its raw material providers and supplies and manufacturers fairly. Um, And when I say that, it's because um, a lot of the time I said it's not more expensive. And that's true. It's not more expensive because in many cases it isn't. And it's also not more expensive because we've never paid the full cost. It's been absorbed by our garment workers. Mm -hmm. Um, So I remember I worked with an NGO um, and the garment workers have this saying, it's like, um, when there's a profit, the owner's and the amount, you know, the factory owner sees the profit. When there's a loss, we inherit the loss. Mm-hmm. So there's a kind of cost that's always absorbed by garment workers and so on. So in a sustainable system, everyone would be valued in the cycle. They'd be paid fairly for what they're creating. They'd be working in safe conditions. Mm-hmm. The women who are making our clothes, like I said, 80% of our clothes are made by women would have career progression opportunities. Mm. It wouldn't be that they could only be seamstresses, but they could be the factory owners. They could be in managerial positions. That's That's just not happening. Um, And then when we get to kind of the cutting, making and trimming, we would have more renewable, sustainable machinery. Mm. We would have safer work conditions. We would have mechanisms to capture waste so that that could become something else. Um, you know the dyeing process would be certified you know got ercotex blue sign it would not be a big deal you could go to your favorite brand click on a section and you could see inside the factory you could Mm -hmm. see people working happily why is that hidden Mm -hmm. if it's also great why can't we see that yeah Mm -hmm. right and then from a citizen level we would have clear labeling on our clothing um Mm -hmm. we would be able to there would be less stuff
2: Mm-hmm.
3: there would be nothing allowed on those aisles when you're going to pay
2: mm-hmm.
3: which get the impulse buys <laughs>
2: um
3: it would be clear labeling it would be honest the certifications would be consistent like maybe a handful of them not 400 um and then there would be mechanisms in shops to take back the things that we've finished mm-hmm. with mending like you know yeah. in England um they used to have like cobblers um, and seamstresses and I love that idea of being able to take something back once you were done with it and either having it mended or having it like taken back by the brand Levi's did something like that Um, they did a the take back they give you oh, yeah. money for your old Levi's yeah. it's a relationship I don't think a pro- buying a clothing should be the end of a transaction I think right. we're in a relationship it's Like you we go together now no, <laughs> like, like you know going to the light stages <laughs> purple yeah. so you know yeah. I'm evolving what else do you have for me I feel yeah. like we should have a relationship with our brand they shouldn't see us as transactional things yeah so I think in a sustainable and then um the safety thing the safety thing mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so important
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah. I, I, I I'm, I'm sad to think of people who have their fertility has been challenged they've had m- miscarriages they've Develop breast cancer because all they've worn is like bright colored cheap mm-hmm. synthetic lingerie on their body like or they've been working out and they already have compromised immune systems mm-hmm. you know we were talking about childbirth and I was like well they send you home and they give you these maternity bras the polyester no certifications on those and your hormones are already back crazy yeah. and then suddenly you're putting something on that that messes with your hormones further yeah. so it's just yeah education just that knowledge being freely available and like completely honest
1: thank you thank you um
3: i think that i'm
1: going to throw in one last one then we're going to come back to you for final thoughts and uh, closing those out but another trendy word is minimalism in like (laughs)
3: yeah our capsule wardrobe so what are your thoughts you
1: know on that you know yeah
3: I you know one of the reasons I like minimalism, um, and I go through minimalist stages and I go through maximalist stages, (laughs) um, and and I think one of the things that evolved from this idea of slow fashion, so the minimalist movement actually, it is about transitional pieces, day to evening, a kind of a a piece that you can wear in the the day, and then you can switch out the shoes and it can go to night, it's like monochromatic, it's kind of very very transitional and easy to switch out and in so it means you're not needing to buy lots of things but you always look timeless mm. and I think that's a gorgeous mm. way of thinking about things um and also because it encourages slow fashion it's this idea of we don't need loads yeah we just need some good essential pieces mm, that we can yeah. mix and match that are quality, that are quality made, that are quality yeah, made yeah. and like yeah. this could be it and I like it because it kind of flies in the face of an industry that's telling you you need to stuff to fit in yeah i like that it's like and changing changing. yeah i'm like if minimalist was a person it's like no i don't (laughs) you know like i'm good thank you (laughs) um so i love that um and i really have nothing bad to say about it Mm -hmm. um the only thing the only the other thing i'll say around it is there has been an issue with how specific sustainable movements have been um positioned depending on who's doing them yeah so we find that with minimalism we find it with secondhand and uh, vintage we've had a lot of shaming of communities black communities as well about shopping secondhand and vintage yeah. it becomes a thing that is conceived as perceived as being trendy and on on and now all of a sudden it's the thing to do yeah. so we talk about it like the gentrification of thrifting because mm-hmm. and secondhand because people were doing that because you know it's yeah, 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 exactly. And vintage has to be 20 years. But it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> cool. But what, what we've been doing is we've been we've been pushing people out of the dialogue mm-hmm. because of what they look like. Yeah. Because and also making assumptions about why they do something. Some people shop secondhand because it's what's affordable to them. Yeah? yeah. Some people shop secondhand because they're looking for something different. There's so many different reasons, but I can remember feeling when I wore secondhand that I should be embarrassed about that. Yeah. yeah. But then suddenly there was a couple of songs came out, yeah. you yeah. know, and it's a thing. So yeah. I think there is an issue with minimalism because if you were doing that before and you were re-wearing stuff and mixing and matching it, people mm-hmm. might say you don't have clothes. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we have a phrase for it. And mm. like, I'm on a bit of a warpath of language. Yeah. I'm yeah. on a warpath of language. I think, I think things like, why don't we say couture when it's from Ghana?
2: Mm.
3: why do we go to um a market stall in marrakesh and barter when you would never in paris mm. so i think as an industry we have to call out language as well mm. and make sure that if we're using that word and we're glorifying it here we glorify it there yeah. as well and it's an equal spread yeah. of glory um, but I love minimalism yeah To your question yeah. I know we said wait but, mm-hmm. I don't know it's good we can talk buckets forever yeah
1: <laughs> but we'll open it up to you all if you have any questions Yeah. and we'll start here well uh I think I saw. I have a
5: question. super good question about money yeah <laughs> I think it's really confusing because like yeah. when like I think about even though Okay, sorry, I'm not, like, very eloquent about that. It's, it's okay. So yeah. Basically, my question is, like, when you look at brands like Reformation or mm-hmm. Behar, like, accessible brands, but you still have to spend upwards of, like, $70 to get right, something yeah. Yeah. Like, that sometimes might be accessible, but for most people it's not. So my question is, if, like, there was a big pivot and everybody in the world, like, but it's like okay, we're gonna become sustainable. Then, with the price, like, is yeah. that overpriced? Like, yeah. would the price of everything yeah. go up, or would it yeah. just all the process? Because under capitalism, obviously, there's a reason why it's cheaper. But absolutely. would there be accessibility in that way?
3: Like, absolutely, yeah? absolutely. And I think that's what i was saying. One of the because I I used to um I used to make clothes and I used to design when I was in like in um, in college and stuff. Um, so I know how to make things. I know what things cost. And you know what? Do you know what makes me so like furious? Mm-hmm. To go, to switch between, for a manufacturer to switch between like cotton and organic or um, to get a certification like Ercotex. For you, we're talking about like sense. And when it comes mm-hmm. to economies of scale, literally nothing. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea of, we don't care enough. It wouldn't yeah. be, you would have a price point. You'd have your equivalents for everything. Yeah. You would have your, um, you'd still have your price points for like your high three H&M kind of price points. Mm-hmm. You'd still have your ready to wear, you'd still have your reformation and you'd still have your luxury mm-hmm. because what we're talking about really is is a transparency. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the other thing I wanted to say is there are brands who are selling at um an affordable accessible price point. Because I agree, I consider that stuff expensive. That's why that Westwood quote would annoy me because people would say, buy well, choose, and um, buy less, choose well, make it last. And I'm like, cool if you can afford that right, cash yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but actually, if you can't, then what you do have and what you can afford, just look after that really well, yeah. right? Um, but there's price points for all of that, and you have brands that are making decisions to spend more on an ad campaign. Yes, yeah. Yeah. or making a decision to do 5,000 new styles instead of saying, okay, we'll do 3,000 new styles and just put that money towards paying off factories more. Right. So it's not that you wouldn't be able to access fashion because you can access it at every level still, but it's this idea that how can we maximize our profits yeah. um, as much as possible off the back of people? Right. Mm, yeah. But in the long term, it's more expensive because yes. they're going to get sued to pieces, <laughs> which is happening now. H&M is like in court. It's like Shein and HMS, H&M are suing each other, which is like a battle of like the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why would you add your attention to each other? like, i embarrassed <laughs> 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 for you. <laughs> 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 I think mean, there's a point that everybody, <laughs> <laughs> but it's because like, they won't be willing to do that. There are some brands who are like, we don't do print stuff. If you want our lookbook? It's digital yeah. because they're like, that's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in a year that we'd rather put for this certification wow. to pay our workers more fairly. Yeah. So, 100% it's accessible, but we just, there's just not enough care. Yeah. Um, and maybe I'd love to share a list with you guys to share with anyone who's attended about some of the brands across these different spaces, but they're there. Yeah, thank they're you. Nice.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. so refreshing.
4: Yeah. we yeah. no,
3: the have one here, here, and then there. <laughs> okay.
4: Yeah. Um, you my name is cj i'm the founder of supply chains for good oh Um, so this is super interesting because it's really a supply chain that you're talking about absolutely um the the i'm going to disagree with one thing and you're going to be real happy about it though (laughs) um the proposition 65 which all of the chemicals that you've mentioned fall into that applies to everything made or sold in the state of california yeah that's so it. all of our garments mm. using the chemicals that you specified should have a label yeah, yeah. that says Prop 65. Yes. And it right. and I know that we all know yeah. that not happening. Yeah. right. And so that's literally the legislation that we can go after. That's it. That would change. This on a global level because it's made or sold in the state of California. Fantastic.
3: Let's do it. Yeah. I'm really cute. Let's Let's work on it. Because California is, in my my kind of uh, perception, it is further along. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: It's It's more progressive. It's a vehicle. And that's why I came here, to be honest with you, to have these kind of conversations um, because it's more progressive. It's like I look at what's happening in Europe. And I'm like, okay, so how do we get par on par here? You know, so that's fantastic. Okay, that. okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. So
1: I wanted to thank you for sharing information about like lingerie and the impact on the skin because I just went recently went bra shopping and I noticed like within five minutes of putting on the bra, I started like breaking out, mm-hmm. <laughs> But it went away. It was right. to be I was like, I was questioning like, why do I always break out when it I does, try on something yeah. new, like abroad? Yeah. I wanted to know, I think girlies out here, mm-hmm. how things like sustainability impact plus size mm-hmm. sizing? Because, you know, already we struggle with having equitable sizes for mm-hmm. people who are over size 20. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people say we can't get garments to fit those bodies. So how can we wear sustainable mm-hmm. clothes? From What brands are sustainable right. that are plus size branding, but also affordable yeah.
0: as well?
3: Yeah. So this is really interesting. So one of my um, friends is a plus size sustainability activist called Stephanie Yeboah. Um And she's been A, saying the conversations the sustainable fashion sector are having, I can't relate to yeah. because where I go for my fashion, which includes my size mm-hmm. or can go to my size is often a fast fashion brand. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, yeah. So, so basically she's mm-hmm. like, so in that case, And that's when we broaden this definition of sustainability to go beyond the environmental and to include the social, because for me, there has to be a a representation element of that. It's all well and good if we say we make these clothes, they're organic cotton, they're certified dyes, blah, 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 but if there's a whole entire demographic of people who can't participate, then it's not sustainable and it doesn't touch those touch points with social. So what she talks about a lot is she does a lot from rental platforms. She does a lot with specific brands who go to her size, but that's a tiny pool of brands. So part of the work we're trying to do is ask brands, why aren't you going to larger um, sizes? Why aren't you going to plus sizes? What's the challenge here? And you'll hear everything from like the pattern changes, the this, the that, the that. And I'm thinking, but this is okay. So if you're that base, you know, and if you're that devoid of, um, representation and inclusivity mm. there's still a conversation about the market value of that entire market why is that not happening yeah. and so I think there is a conversation to be had there there is a shortfall I know about 10 brands but they're European I know maybe one or two US brands who have made it their passion to focus on plus sizes but they don't necessarily do the certifications they don't necessarily do the dyes and so on and so forth. Collective. Girlfriend Collective yeah. is one and they're fantastic um, but I want to get this list together because there's so many that I want to share, but they don't necessarily take the other boxes yeah. they maybe they don't have the GOTS yeah. certification or the ERCOTEX. Right. So that's what I'm thinking. One of the things that we need to do is just broaden that perception of sustainability, because if you're wearing something that you can wear that fits you and you look after it and you maintain it right. and you do something with it afterwards, then you are participating in the sustainable mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if, you're not, even if it's not participating in the exact same way as this person who's bought this kind of organic silk, natural dye kind of piece, you're participating if you're wearing it, you're caring for it, you're looking yeah. after it, and then you're maybe putting it into the circular economy afterwards. Yeah, Because that's the bit that you can access right now. That's not to say it's good enough, because it definitely isn't. And I want to connect you with her work, but that's where you already participate. But we need more brands stepping up. Absolutely. 100%. And I think the other thing I wanted to say is, that goes to the language thing I was talking about earlier one of the ways that we show people belong in a dialogue is by including them in the dialogue so if you say it's a sustainable brand but you're not including specific demographics in the dialogue then you're kind of excluding them and I think that's intentional I think it's really lazy yeah really really lazy Mm -hmm. yeah Um, so I want to get this list to you as well yeah yeah
2: Good question. Great question. Really quick. I don't believe in coincidences. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yes, I'm in the right space. <laughs> um, I have a art and women's wellness space in West Adams. Nice. And um, next month, we were looking to host a fashion show and exhibit featuring, we, uh, we only work with women plus, um, and we have looked black and brown women. Um, and we're looking to do recycle, like yes. women plus in this industry of cycling fashion. And I cannot for the life of me find any women of color who are doing upcycling brands. I'm seeing a lot of men mm-hmm. doing it and a lot of white women doing mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, And just collectively co- would love to call out and just have more women, black and brown women, doing this work because yeah. like you said these we are the ones yeah making you know making them yeah. in the factory settings but yeah. when it comes to having our own brands yeah um we're missing there so thank you so much for what, what you said um I I'm, Okay, we have to work on this list. there's have got three,
3: three, women, and two of them are LA based. Oh, um, and I just, I, I'm wary of, I'm always wary of shouting out brands because I don't like to show favoritism. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'll share that, um, and we can circulate it. But what you said is one of the things. I know I've said this is one of the things. I've got many, one of the things. Um, but that lack of um, um ownership of brands is very, very frustrating. And again, I think it's a social sustainability issue because. And also, when you do have Black-owned or Black-led brands, they aren't given the same runway. So let me give you the example of Rihanna's brand. Yeah. I was going to ask you about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even about it being sustainable. Because remember, when we talk about sustainability, if we're looking at it from an environmental perspective, we can analyze materials, blah, 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 blah. blah. So, but if we talk about it from a social perspective, then we start talking about representation. We talk about how is the disabled community being... Okay. Then oh. we yeah. Where, yeah. where, are, yeah, we yeah. where yeah. are we going yeah. there, yeah. right? So then, so Fenty, right? not uh, the, the, um, the luxury brand, she was not given the runway that the other brands within that luxury conglomerate were given. She was given less time to be profitable, mm-hmm. is what happened. And more often than not, that's what happens all the time. You don't get the same runway. You don't get the same financial backing and infrastructure. You get less of an opportunity. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, we tried it, it didn't work. So what I was trying to say earlier that I didn't get to the chance to say is when I did guest lecturing at these different fashion colleges like London College of Fashion or Central St. Martins or Parsons, I have black designers coming up to me telling me that they're being discouraged mm-hmm. from launching luxury brands because they're being told that the black community doesn't buy luxury. Wow. So not only do you have, there is, a there is a desperate need, there is a desperate need to be represented in curriculum. We need to be cited as pioneers of specific things within the curriculum itself within the course content itself but also there has to be that idea that you can lead a luxury brand you can be part of a luxury conglomerate you can do all of these things when we talk about things like the 15 percent pledge it's because of a black woman called aurora james who was like we need 15 percent shelf space for black owned brands because we're not getting even that so what you just said is just So on the money, Um, and that's why I'd spoken before about the need for investment, Yeah, because capital behind you, capital behind these other brands, giving them the opportunity to become established, you know, your run shouldn't just be two to three years, you should be able to be here for 10, 15, 20, 30 years, Mm -hmm. and that's the thing, like, that doesn't happen, money gets pumped into brands that are losing money every year, Mm -hmm. but we're not allowed to lose money for, like, six months, (laughs) and that's why... That is necessary. So I would love to hear more about what you're doing. Definitely. Thank you. um, it's well,
0: maybe it's a question, but um <laughs> when you were talking about minimalism and like yeah. um it made me think of, and I'm an older millennial, it made me think of what not to wear. and I just remember that being, even though like in the black community or like in our own communities, or like the perception from other people of us. Um, hand-me-downs or wearing mm-hmm. the same pieces is, is like not a thing mm-hmm. but I remember watching that show being like they spent five thousand dollars on like ten pieces like mm-hmm. what is this but also my <laughs> I think my question is like what is this like purposefully dressed terribly so that, like, like, oh, yeah, um but I really that really like made me look into like Essential pieces because mm. I I'm guilty of like fast fashion all the time. Um, but I'm wondering. I think my question is like when when did that shift? I feel like that was a thing when I was in early 2000s, late 90s. That like essential pieces were a thing, but like, when did that shift in the fashion
3: industry? Because- To like, to the fast fashion. It's
0: like, it's almost like when fashion came out, that show like got canceled and that went away. And like that idea of like essential pieces, and like, like, what shifted?
3: I would say in the past, like honestly, in the past 10 to 15 years, there has been the mass export of manufacturing to the global South. And it's so, it's kind of like, when did call centers all go away? When did you start calling your bank? And they're like, you're literally speaking to someone in India, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It was like the past 10, 15 years, we've seen bit by bit brands are just, they've just uprooted and moved their manufacturing bases to the global South. um, And in that made so much money. And suddenly it went from like four to eight collections to 52. It suddenly went from like 80 to 90 new styles to 5,000 in a day. Um, some of this stuff is being made in three minutes. Um, I remember a friend visited a factory and they have a buzzer, they have a, t- a clock, a three minute clock going for them to get from the, from the fabric being cut to the finished piece, ding. So I think when all of that started to happen and the instantaneousness of, 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 of us too, yeah. like people get mad if their Amazon is not the next <laughs> day. Oh, <no. laughs> <laughs> they <like, laughs> <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a problem so it's not just fashion it's this conditioning and this idea of now yeah I want it now and I want and I, and I can get a couple of them because they're so cheap yeah well they're not so cheap because so I don't want to devalue the people that made them but they're so that there is an easy enough decision that I'm going to get 10 of them if one doesn't work Never mind. I don't even need to return it. It's so inexpensive. Yeah. Um, so there was that part of it as well. And and the other thing I would say with Brexit in the in Europe because we had the Brexit, mm-hmm. what's happened there is because the stuff is so the, the cost is so like meh, that when they're returning something. the the, the returns they're not even returning it they're kind of just burning it at the border
0: yeah Mm -hmm.
3: so because they're like it'll just cost me so much so much to return it so the brands are just like leaving it at the border they're not accepting returns and then after a while it just gets burnt and it's cheaper for them so i think there's this whole thing that's happened you're You're in life environments
1: yeah there's a whole (laughs)
3: shift that's happened with us as well and it's suddenly become we can have loads and we can have it now we right. don't even need to have it for long mm-hmm. and i think that social media bit plays a That's role what I as say. well because yeah. now people that. know we wore it yeah yeah, yeah.
0: and thank yeah. you for bringing up the textiles and because i didn't introduce myself and i'm nice and i work for breast cancer prevention partners. Oh wow! Now, we do a lot of that work wow. um you know we helped get you know rei to promise that they'll take TFAS fast out of their textiles.
3: fantastic
0: but, I, it aligns. So yeah, yeah. Need to talk to you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
3: that was the Greenpeace study. Um, the Greenpeace study where they, and I don't, I want this. In this case, I'm name check, but they had gone and taken bras of Victoria's Secrets. They'd gone and taken them and tested them, and then they came back and said, like, this is a problem. There's so much in here, um, you know, and. And we, and our community is also really affected with things like fibroids. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. So start thinking, yeah. well, hang on a minute. Yeah. How come so many of my friends have them? And yeah. from, so like, is there a link there too? Yeah. You know, sure. and, right? And
0: we partnered with Yeah, okay. and yeah, so yeah. Black Women for Wellness. So yeah. like, we see that um, Black women, the studies have shown that we use the most beauty products, yeah. you we know, most clothes, <laughs> but they're the most toxic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyways, yeah, um, definitely want to
2: chat. And they have
1: okay. a question. Thank you. They yes. have a question. I'm sorry,
2: One. I a work on you, but I have a month old um, boy. Um, oh, congratulations. And I'm just very super curious on what brands to put on him or what can I do to. Uh,
3: his Okay, I've just added another tab to the screen. <laughs> no, no, but by the way, um, the reason I do because I have this anyway. When I find brands, I add it to my little spreadsheet. I'm like, okay, this is a kids brand. This is a this brand. This is a this brand. Yeah. So I will just share that resource. But one of the things I would say is, um, now I think because this is a conversation that's rising in consciousness, kids brands and um brands for newborns. Are becoming more vocal about their processes. Right. So there is a conversation happening now around, oh, we we use non-toxic dyes, or we use because that's the thing. Like the, the dye thing is a big thing. Like to, mm-hmm. the dye thing is a massive thing mm-hmm. because on a hot, sweaty day, that's what's le- like. Have you ever taken off an item of clothing and like your skin's slightly stained by that dye? Mm-hmm, or, yes. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's it's the, the the textiles. I'm not saying co- like polyester. Yeah, it's a, fo- a fossil fuel. I know it's weird for people to think they're wearing a fossil fuel, but they are. <laughs> yeah. But it's really the chemicals and the dyes. Yeah. So it's kind of, there's specific language around that on lots of kids' websites. And what I do when I find a brand is I'm emailing them uh-huh. and I'm like, what is your um, chemical um, safety like uh, protocol? Like, you want, do you use restricted substances list? What do you do to make sure that there are no harmful chemicals in the, ki- the clothes you're making for kids? I'm very um, vocal on that. And I love the Etsy. One of the things I did when I had Theo was I went onto to Etsy and I started to look because it's small yeah. makers who have that community. Mm-hmm. There are so many people making like certified organic, this, Erkotex that, blue sign this. Right. So there's there's communities on there. They're doing it small scale, but they're doing it. Um, so I'll get that to you. But the, the things I would say to look for are global organic textile standard, that's really robust. Erkotex means clean, it's a good one, it's a good one. It's one of the good ones. If I get both, I'm like, this is great. Blue sign is good as well. So there's like two or three that I always look for. It's like a base. And I try and avoid buying polyester for him. And if it is polyester, I wash it first and I smell it and I wash it and I smell it. And then I'm like, okay. Cause you'll always smell it on the kids. And the other thing I did, and I don't know if it works. So this is just me being kooky. Okay. Is I used to put barrier cream on him before I'd put something on. So um, if it was like hot, I would put barrier cream, like, you know, the cream that's for nappy rash and stuff, Mm -hmm. because I would put that on before I would put him in, like maybe like the swim stuff. Mm -hmm. Cause I was like, I don't know what I can do. Like finding a, like a sustainable swim, yeah Item for a baby is nearly impossible (laughs) um so i would try and put like a berry cream or something that wouldn't like that would stay so i felt that there's something between his skin Mm -hmm. and this textile and i can't say it works i'm just saying psychologically i felt like i was doing something thank you yeah and i think that nicely
1: brings us to the close here or what are some final thoughts like Mm -hmm. as consumers or what should we you know what should we think about or what should we do
3: i think i think you shouldn't um
0: you shouldn't underestimate
3: your ability and your right to ask questions of the brands that clothe you. I'm a big fan of doing it in the social media sphere. Yeah. I build that because it's out there, it's something that they can't, they have to respond on. I will go in and do a comment on your Instagram with quickness because people will see it, they'll interact with it. And I'll be persistent on that. Yeah. You know, What is your toxic chemical policy? What is your this? Like, yeah, don't direct me to a social responsibility page that says 20% of our workers are paid fairly. I'm like, so 80% aren't. (laughs) 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 Okay, (laughs) like, you know, because that's a big one. Like it's it's hidden in plain sight. Um, So ask questions and be really visible about the questions you're asking you know, I love, you can be, I love your brand, I want to support it, but these are my concerns, you know, and then just search, I found so many sustainable brands just by searching for kids brands that use non-toxic dyes, or like, I just googled,
2: Yeah.
3: Um. and I, I, I'll close by saying, you know, when you're planning a holiday somewhere, and you manage to find like, the most remote part of that place you're going that does the specific thing that you're looking for. Like (laughs) I went to somewhere um, in, I went, I went away and I found someone who did Jalop rice, which is a big deal for me. (laughs) Um, And I was like, how did I find it? I researched. So I feel that if we go away to places we go on holiday and we can research and go and find this thing in this remote place, we can apply ourselves in the same way to find the information we need, but also to find a few small brands that we can support. Even if eighty percent of your wardrobe is not sustainable fashion, and it's yeah. whatever you can, just support a few of them because your support will help them grow. Yeah, and then they become a scalable business. I love that. Yeah, um, well, Thank you.
1: Yeah, yeah. that's great. Mm-hmm. One last. Thank yes, yeah, one yes, last,
0: yeah.
4: <laughs> it's all the hand going
0: up. <laughs> it. In, so, in regards to being an advocate for like um, the fashion industry, would you be like the uh, the, would you say like the leader of it like in regards to sustainability um mm-hmm. with the red carpet outfits and making a change to like mm-hmm. uh, garment factories
3: mm-hmm.
0: um would you be like the lead advocate like you have a non or any type of yeah so, that,
3: yeah so do you mean so am i do i consider myself a leader in the space mm-hmm. yeah um definitely because i've been trying to have this conversation for like a long time mm-hmm. from like being a student so I consider myself a leader in this space and the red carpet yes because I think it's exciting mm-hmm. and I think there's an opportunity for massive impact mm-hmm. like when and for relatability like I said like when Lakeith is saying this is what sustainability means to me that speaks to a whole different demographic mm-hmm. that speaks to black men right. when Billy Einish is saying it it means speak to another demographic mm-hmm. when Marlene Matlin is signing it that speaks for a different demographic mm-hmm. so I consider myself a leader there yes I work with NGOs and nonprofits. I work with um, academic institutions. So I write curriculum. I teach. Um, I work with nonprofits like who work across garment workers' rights to representation for um, Black owned businesses. Um, so I work across across the remit. Um, and I hope that I am, I consider myself a leader and I hope yeah. that I can just keep carving a space out. For these conversations
1: very well accomplished I, think so, I
3: see. fashion board
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> does
1: that answer <laughs> your question oh, yeah. are you yeah. sure yeah, okay yeah. okay good well thank you all for all the questions thank you so much thank you and I'm sure
2: you're around uh, after for anyone
1: yeah, who it's it's have questions or anything definitely definitely thank you so much thank you so it's not going any